Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast uh, for our Week 19 Thursday episode. We're back after a little bit of a break. Of course, we came back a couple days ago to do our uh, sort of makeup show, if you will. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, covering all of the stuff that we had missed prior to the All-Star break. Uh, but now we're back for the normally scheduled show, uh, and we're going to be doing our All-Star recap, talking about the uh, the crazy weekend of course, we're getting this a little, a little bit late, uh, a little bit later than some other people, certainly. But um, I thought it'd be a good time to get back into it, um, primarily because tonight is also the first uh, night that the regular schedule, regular season, <clears throat> excuse me, NBA games are back. So you can get kind of right back into it, along with uh, the NBA teams tonight, uh, back into the swing of things. So that's why we're, we're here. Um before I get any further, I'll mention real quick, I'm your host, Karsten. Um, I've been forgetting to mention that much of the time. Uh, usually if I have either Justin or Wyatt on for those days that they they help co-host the show, uh, I have kind of a reason to, in my head, I have more of a reason to explain who's who. But I take for granted a lot of times that when I'm first introducing the the podcast, that, oh, there's probably there's a good chance there's new people listening that don't know who I am or at least what my name is. So yes, I'm Karsten. I'm your main host. And uh, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get right into it. Again, we're recapping everything all-star weekend related. I held out some of the news I could have covered on that Monday makeup show because I knew that it was tied to kind of all-star weekend specifically. And so I wanted to keep it for that show. So let's go ahead and waste no more time. Let's get right into it. Firstly, the event that kind of kicks off All-Star Weekend, or at least certainly did for this weekend, uh, it kind of goes under the radar as far as, you know, fan spectacles or what fans pay attention to. But uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame has a, a you know, a press conference um, or a uh, uh, that's basically, yeah, press conference, news conference. That's kind of it. But they, they give out some awards. They announce some uh, make some announcements about the Hall of Fame in particular. Uh, for this All-Star Weekend, they announced uh, the winners of the basketball hall of fame's uh 2023 kurt gowdy media award and i believe that that does happen every year at this particular event um i might be speaking wrong on that i'll be honest i didn't do a ton of checking into that before the show but regardless uh the three winners the three recipients of this award uh there's so there's three different branches of this kurt gowdy media award firstly kurt gowdy electronic media award winner uh, that winner is Holly Rowe of the uh, the Utah Jazz currently. Uh, if I was to go a little bit into her history, she joined ESPN in 1988. Uh, she's done play-by-play for women's collegiate sports and uh, and professional sports as well. Uh, done a lot of Division One tournament stuff. Um, yeah, lately she's been best known for her work with the Utah Jazz. Uh, she's also... She attended BYU, so that makes sense. She's, uh, you know, got U- roots in Utah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so she's uh, been the, the recipient there for the Electronic Media Award winner. Congratulations to Holly Rowe. Uh, the Kurt Gowdy Media, uh, Print Media, excuse me, award winner. That goes to Mark Spears. Uh, he has been writing with ESPN as well as Andscape. Um, and, uh yeah, he's done a lot of features. He's done a lot of ESPN-related programming. He's been uh, he's covered NBA Finals, All Star Games, things like that. So, congratulations to Mark Spears. That's a name I am familiar with, as well as well as Holly Rowe. 
Um, and then Kurt Gowdy trans transformative media award winner goes to the whole of CBS sports. Um, that's pretty cool, I guess. I mean, they've been uh, obviously a mainstay in, in sports broadcasting for a long time, probably in recent years, best known for their college coverage, especially of the, uh, you know, March madness. Um, and that's kind of their, their hallmark of the thing they hang their hat on most, I would say is March madness, but they do a terrific job with it. They, you know, that's one of the biggest events. Maybe you you could argue it's the biggest event on the basketball calendar, you know, along with, you know, say NBA finals, it's, it's up there. It's a huge deal for, for the sport of basketball, not just for college fans. So um, yeah, congratulations to all those guys, all those winners, excuse me. Um, we also have the John Bunn Lifetime Achievement Award winner, which went to this year was awarded to Tom Konchalski. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Um, uh, let's see, high school basketball scout for four decades. Um, managed the five-star basketball camp as well. Uh, so congratulations to all those all those people. Uh, use that term guys. I, I tend to use that regardless of, you know, male or female at times, but it's more appropriate to say these people, these individuals who have been uh, very skilled and a credit to their professions in uh, this work of reporting and journalism and media. Uh, congratulations to these four uh, people for their for their work and and getting recognized for that. Um, but the other part, probably the more a little more notable as far as the general fan, is that this is the time when the Hall of Fame will announce the twelve well that's the finalists rather for the class of 2023 in this case there's 12 finalists and 11 of these 12 selections are first time finalists this is kind of a jam-packed year um kind of worked out that way with certain retirements of players lining up uh and players that happen to have incredible careers so let's let's go through these um finalists here the north american committee finalists gene bess who is the all-time winningest college coach, um, which I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not ultra familiar with this name. What, let's see, Three Rivers Community College. Okay. So I, I did kind of think it's probably a, uh, you know, Division two or lower program, maybe a junior college program. Uh, but that makes sense. Uh, he did coach Latrell Sprewell at Three Rivers Community College. So that's uh, certainly worth noting. But, um, yeah, so he's the the first name listed there, all-time winningest college coach. He's won over 1,300 games, so that's certainly well-deserved. Uh, David Hickson, 826 wins and a two-time Division Three national champion, as well as a two-time Division Three coach of the year. Uh, Gene Cady, seven-time Big Ten coach of the year. I am familiar with that name somewhat what college did coach at purdue okay so he was purdue's coach for a long time gene katie um and then so those are your college standouts and certainly all those names well deserving they're, they're highly accomplished college coaches and then it gets pretty uh congested with a lot of big time names um a lot of good guys that have good chances of being first ballot hall of famers um and that it starts with Pau Gasol, six-time All-Star, two-time NBA champion, 2002 Rookie of the Year. Uh, then you have Dirk Nowitzki, 
14 time all-star the 2007 mvp and the 2011 nba champion as well as the 2011 finals mvp tony parker six-time all-star four-time nba champion 2007 finals mvp Dwayne wade 13-time all-star three-time nba champion 2006 finals mvp and uh let's not forget greg popovich the winningest coach in nba history and a five-time nba champion so uh, a lot of guys that you would expect or lock expect our locks for the hall of fame uh kind of congests this and maybe some of these guys that will be well deserving might get pushed back a year uh simply for that reason um women's committee finalists they've named uh jennifer ozzy again i hopefully i'm hopefully i'm pronouncing these correctly uh who's a 1990 naismith player of the year and a 1990 national champion becky hammond six-time WNBA all-star i am familiar because uh, she has or or was with the has been with the the Spurs coaching staff at various points. Gary Blair, 852 wins, a 2011 national champion, and Marion Washington, 560 wins, 11 NCAA appearances. Uh, so those are the the main finalists named. There has not. It looks like they didn't make an announcement for. Um, oh, there's a there's another committee because there's North American, there's women's, and then there's. There's international. There's also uh, like a founders committee or something similar where they name uh, players from the kind of the early days of the sport, at least in the early days of the professional uh, ranks. So it looks like that probably gets announced at a later date. But um, congratulations to all these uh, people, these players, these coaches for being named uh, finalists. All of them have great resumes. You know, again, not all of these will make it this year, but you know, maybe they'll all make it at some point. We'll have to see. But that's kind of the, the first event that kicks off All-Star Weekend is the Hall of Fame news and announcements and things like that. Um, but let's then just jump into the next thing in the actual first event of All-Star Weekend, and that's the Ruffles All-Star Celebrity Game. Um, and I didn't watch this one. I don't have a ton of investment in uh, – the celebrity game, I mean, it has some fun moments. It's fun for fans. Um, they don't have huge celebrities. The last few years, they've had one NFL player for each team, which that, those are decent celebrities. I mean, some of the most famous people in the game, I would argue. Uh, they had that actor. I'm going to butcher his name if I try and say it. Simu Liu. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong because I saw somewhere how to pronounce it correctly and it's not how it's spelt but i forget now how to pronounce it so i, I do apologize he's been a uh, a popular actor especially i know he was in that one of the new marvel movies um so they have some celebrities but then you know more than half the names you're a lot of people find themselves asking okay who is that i'm not sure exactly who that is but uh i guess we have to note something uh dk metcalf one of those MV, uh, nfl players i mentioned the wide receiver for the seahawks uh, he won the All-Star Celebrity Game MVP award. He had 20 points, 10 rebounds, and some dunks. Of course, he's going to have some dunks. He's, I mean, he's he's a pretty tall receiver, along with, of course, being a professional athlete. Uh, I remember they've had Usain Bolt in the game in the past, and he got easy dunks. I'm sure it was the same for, for Metcalf. Again, I didn't really watch much of it. I did see a clip from the very end of the game where uh, WWE guy named The Miz – sank a half court shot but it was it didn't count there was also something where at halftime uh one of the teams was given a uh 
NBA legend to, you know, support their team. And that was Carlos Boozer who joined in like halfway through the game as kind of a, a little bit of a gimmick, I suppose, to increase the excitement. Um, there was some, some comedy stuff from uh, Guillermo Rodriguez, who's the Jimmy Kimmel correspondent, uh, ordered pizza or something. It was kind of interesting. Uh, Richard Jefferson <laughs> played and then also refereed, adding some intrigue. And that's the thing with these games, this celebrity game, you have to add just as much like unique points to talk about to make it a spectacle. If it's just a game and there's celebrities, the the celebrity draw and novelty, I feel like, would wear off fairly quickly. And then you're left with people who don't play basketball for their careers, which there's nothing wrong with that. Certainly they're successful people in, in all sorts of different fields, but they're playing a basketball game and it's kind of, you know, the game itself isn't always going to be the greatest to watch. So you have to have some things, other things going on to, to add to the spectacle. Um, but regardless, you know, it, it, it did its job, I suppose. Again, I didn't really watch much of it. Uh, if at all, just caught some, some clips here and there. They have the ruffles four point line that adds some, some uniqueness to it as well. I won't go through the full rosters. Um, if you're curious about everyone that played, you can find that and read it and find yourself asking, okay, who's this person? Who's this person? As I did, maybe you know more, know of them, more, know more of them, excuse me, than I did. But um, regardless, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, move on from that. Uh, both these things we've talked about, the, the basketball hall of fame press conference and the ruffle celebrity game were on Friday's slate of action uh of course it's a three-day all-star weekend friday being the first day of events and we'll talk about that last event from friday night and maybe the the most noteworthy i would say is the jordan rising stars games again they've changed the format of this a few times over its history to try and increase the draw increase the the uh you know competitive level or competition level the excitement i suppose uh, so this year, I believe the same as it was last year, you have four teams new to this year's. One of those teams is an all G league team, uh, but four teams compete in a little mini tournament. They're shorter scale games. And then the winning team gets the rising stars, uh, championship, I guess. And then, uh, there's an MVP from that championship team. So that's a real quick summary. Uh, of course the coaches are, Former NBA players in their own right, uh, Darren Williams, uh, Joakim Noah, Jason Terry, and Pau Gasol. Those were the teams. And the, the jerseys were all jazz-themed. I thought they were, they were pretty decent-looking jerseys, nothing too special, but they were you know nice enough for, for this event. Uh, if you're curious about the full slate of action in those those first two games, which are semifinals technically uh team pow beat darren uh team darren by uh, 40 to 25 game two team Jokim beat team jason 40 to 32 and then the championship team pow team beat team jason 25 to 20 so it was team pow that won this one and the most valuable player from team pow was jose alvarado uh and he had some excitement to the game but he also played well played a nice little uh, it, you know, wasn't just scoring a bunch. If you wanted the high, high score, it probably would have been Quentin Grimes. I think he was on team, uh, Jason. No, let's see. Wait, I'm confused. Is this right? 
and now I'm realizing the championship final. It says Team Powell and Team Jason, but Team Jokin beat Team Jason in uh, in that second game. So now I don't know what to believe. Uh, team Powell, Team Darren. Uh, okay, well, now I'm not even reporting this correctly. Now we got to consult uh, a different source uh, and make sure I'm getting this correct for you. I do apologize for this. I thought that the NBA's information would just be... Yeah, okay, so it was a typo. Yeah, Team Pal and Team Jokin were the finals teams. I thought that was incorrect. So uh, NBA website, if any of you are hearing this, I doubt you are. You're, uh, you got a typo on your website. But regardless, so it's Team Pal beating Team Jokin, but yeah, uh, Quentin Grimes, who was on Tim Joka... Team joke, uh, joke him, Noah. I'm getting all sorts of tongue twisters here. He had probably the biggest scoring run of any of the players. He was hitting a bunch of threes. He was, you know, hot shooting, but the, his team didn't win. So I guess um, you got to have your MVP from the guy that, from the team that won. And and Alvarado had a pretty good game. He hit the final, the game winner three in the in that last game uh, to to get the win for him. So I guess that helps contribute to his MVP winning as well, but he also played well throughout both games. So congratulations to him. Um, again, I apologize if I'm not ultra, uh, you know, reporting this as well as I could, but he had a, had a nice game. It was a you know notable event. Uh, they had a couple injury replacements, uh, Jalen Green and uh, Desomu from Team Darren. They both had to be replaced due to injury. Uh, they were replaced by, uh, no, sorry. It was Jalen Green from Team Darren and Jalen Duran from Team Jokim. Those two were injured. They were replaced by Eudesomu for Team Darren and Terry Eason for Team Jokim. So, um, other than that, at the risk or to, uh, limit the risk of further, uh, kind of stumbling through this one. Let's move on. Kind of made a mess of that. Let's move to the next event. That was our Friday action. Let's jump to Saturday. The first event from Saturday uh, is the HBCU uh, Classic, or Historically Black College uh, and or University. Uh, this started, I believe, two or three years ago. Uh, it's a, a game that the NBA just kind of plays host to, and it fits on your normal college basketball calendar. This time it was between Southern University and Grambling State. Uh, those two teams played. Again, the NBA play, kind of plays host, helps uh, you know provide some insight, some perspective, provide a little bit of history on some of, some of these colleges as well as other uh, HBCUs uh, and what their programs have meant historically. Um, as far as who won, um, don't know if I saw that. Uh, Let's check who who won the game. Uh, Grambling State. So Grambling State won the game over Southern University. So congratulations to Grambling State for winning that game. Uh, the next thing that kind of goes back with that Basketball Hall of Fame, this is another one. You can call this the State of the League address. Um, Adam Silver gives a press conference during All-Star Weekend and just discusses, you know, different points around the league that are worth talking about. Um, and this time he discussed uh, load management, which has been a kind of a hot button issue around the league this season. 
of course, the the usual concerns about fans not being able to see players because they're resting for a game, um, changing the schedule, if that's on the radar. From what he kind of talked about, he said, it sounds like they're kind of sticking with status quo for the moment and then doing their best to encourage uh, players to, to play. Um, but let's see, this, this was a specific quote. Commissioner said, quote, if we thought it made sense to reduce the number of games, we would, but there's no data right now. Uh, further, like before that explains, he, they've, they've done their due diligence. They've looked into, uh, you know, statistics and information about and surrounding injuries and when they happen and things like that. Um, and they haven't been able to come up with enough concrete data to, to make any kind of widespread changes. Uh, so just kind of, you know, they're aware of it. They're looking into it. They're doing their best to, to figure out what solutions might look like. And, and if solutions are necessary right now, it sounds like they're think, thinking things are kind of, you know, okay-ish where they're at, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, a couple other points he talked about, um, the interesting nature of this season and how close the standings are in both conferences, especially in the West. Pretty good point, you know. Uh, I feel like a lot of people mentioned that. Uh, noted the trade deadline uh, having um, that trade deadline. I didn't realize the percentage and how immense it was. 10%, about 10% of the league's players changed teams as a part of the whole trade deadline process, which is pretty remarkable. Um, I think he, he, he just more commented of it as interesting, although good for the team's perspective as far as them being competitive, more teams being competitive, not not having more teams resigning themselves to the fact they're not making playoffs and just pushing for, you know, uh, draft chances and rebuilding opportunities. There's more teams being competitive, so he thought that was positive. Uh, but then he also voiced uh, concerns about trade demands and trade requests, uh, particularly, of course, with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, both of those being the most uh, noted, most uh talked about within the last calendar year and he said that he thinks it's not in the interest of those teams and the organization or in the association as a whole uh because because of what it can do for those teams building efforts for other players trying to find teams uh things like that uh and then lastly the um uh, well, actually, a couple more points. He talked, as other people did, about the, the dunk contest, wanting to have star players in there, but there's just not as much of a uh, a desire on the players' behalf to be there for various reasons. Uh, and then finally, that the NBA and the the NBA Players Association are both cooperative and both positive in their you know <clears throat> their meetings and their conversations to figure out a new CBA uh, by the the latest. Uh, deadline which is March 30th so overall just you know kind of updates on where things are at commenting on you know the the intrigue and the interesting points from this season and uh, saying you know they're aware of lo aware of the load management conversation and that they're figuring out if there's any kind of action that needs to be taken on part of the league so that was his main thing uh, those two things of course are just more things happening during the, the weekend as far as weekend events for Saturday, that was covered by All-Star Saturday Night.
And if you wanted to, me to give you a review on All-Star Saturday Night, this is one of the things I actually did watch in full. And I think it's in the better half. It was pretty good. And especially the dunk contest, I thought the dunk contest was pretty good. And some of the dialogue from commentators confused me at times. Uh, but let's get right into it. Uh, firstly, the skills challenge. This was probably the weak event. And I think it is the weak event as far as intrigue and fan interest of the three. Um, you know, I, I, of course, as a jazz fan, I'm happy to see that team jazz won. It's kind of expected to an extent. The other two teams, of course, were team Antetokounmpo and team rookies. Team Antetokounmpo had a last minute injury replacement. Of course, we know that Giannis has a wrist injury. And so Drew Holiday took his place as an honorary Antetokounmpo brother. They kind of had some fun with that. But, um, yeah, the, the problem is, and you know, you, you can kind of forecast this before part of the skills challenge is a shooting portion. And, and that was another thing that was confusing. They had three portions of the contest. The first part was worth a hundred points. The second part was worth a hundred points. The third part was worth 200 points. So it's like, why have the first two? If the last one is going to basically determine a winner, no matter what. That I thought was odd. I imagine they'll continue to tweak that. I think it was another new format as it has been the last, you know, year or two. Um, so that was odd. But um, if you have a shooting portion with a lot of the points dependent on it, no offense to the Antetokounmpo's, they're not great shooters. And Drew's a solid shooter, but that's kind of going to hurt your chances. And then Team Rooks, you had uh, Jabari Smith Jr., um, Paolo Bancaro, and Jaden Ivey. And, you know, those are good players. They're promising rookies. Jabari Smith Jr. has struggled so far this season. I think it's safe to say he hasn't been uh, a world beater. He has, you know, he's, he looks like he's going to need some more time to, to grow and, and develop. And they, they just kind of struggled a little bit overall, especially that shooting portion. It was very rough for that team, team rookie. Uh, that, that rookie team or team rooks, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, the team jazz, uh, Jordan Clarkson kind of looked like he was nailing it in at times. Didn't look like he was putting in a ton of effort, which I don't blame him for. Cause it's, you know, just an all-star game event and it's a skills challenge. But then uh, Colin Sexton and Walker Kessler, you know, put enough effort in on Jordan Clarkson's behalf and Walker Kessler actually hit a three in that shooting competition to help get them a win. So, it kind of a weaker event, but you know, cool to see the the home team and Team Jazz win. That was a nice little note to start out on, I suppose. Uh, and then we get to the three point contest. This is where it actually gets much more interesting. You have eight contestants, uh, one of them an injury replacement. Uh, Anthony Simons was supposed to join Damian Lillard as uh, contestants from the Trailblazers, but unfortunately, Anthony Simons is injured, and so uh, Julius Randle took his place. So. He had eight competitors, uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald from the Pacers, Hero, Tyler Hero from the Miami Heat, Kevin Herter from the Kings, Lillard we mentioned, Randall we mentioned, Larry Markinen from the hometown Jazz, and Jason Tatum. And so um, it was pretty good. There were some pretty good performances. Um, Halliburton had a, a torrid first round. Um, he had, I think he hit both four-point uh four-point basketballs from outside, the starry four-point range or whatever it was. Um, or I guess in the 
the way the three-point contest works, it's a three-pointer because your normal three-pointers are one point, the money balls are two, and then that ex- extended range is a full three. Uh, so, yeah, Halliburton had a huge start. Heald was solid. Lillard, good start as well. Marketing was pretty good too, and then uh, some of the others kind of fell short. I think Kevin Herter had a really rough first round. He he seems primed to be one of those guys that's in this, you know, another couple of years and just has a rough first go and then gets better and better the next time and maybe even wins it that third time. That's kind of what I expect from Herter. Otherwise, um, yeah, Lillard, Halliburton, and Heald were the ones that made it to the final. Uh, of course, Reggie Miller, I appreciated him pulling for his his team, the Pacers, and one of those two guys to win. But it was Lillard in his Weber State jersey. I thought that was one of the high points of the night. Of course, being a Utah resident and a, a Utahn through and through, I think you know it's it's cool to get that recognition for a you know Utah school, especially outside of you know most people know BYU, they know University of Utah. Um, maybe they know Utah State, but outside of that, they don't really know a lot of Utah schools. And so for Weber State to get a shout out like that, I thought that was very cool, especially on a national stage, you know, showing his ties to Utah. Thought that was awesome. And for him to win the contest in that was awesome as well. Plus, he had been in it a number of times before. For him to win it now was uh, was stellar. And again, helps further solidify even just a little bit his reputation and his legacy as a three-point shooter. You know, I think he's certainly top five three-point shooters and just shooters all time. And I think he's pretty close behind Steph Curry, um, maybe even ahead of Reggie Miller and Ray Allen. Maybe that's a tough, you know, people don't want to hear that, and I can understand it. Maybe a controversial opinion, but I think he's up there for sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I – if you remember like a week or two ago, we did the All-Star Weekend Predictions – and I gave a little kind of half-hearted, here's who I think could win the contest. I feel like I might have said Damian Lillard. I don't want to shower myself with praise if I did say that. But um, if I did, I guess, cool. Happy to get that right. Um, and then finally from Saturday night uh, was the slam dunk contest. Maybe the big poll, along with the All-Star game itself, the dunk contest people think of when they think of All-Star weekend. And I thought this was a pretty good dunk contest. Um, if you remember, or just need a reminder, the contestants were uh, Jericho Sims of the Knicks, Trey Murphy III from the New Orleans Pelicans, um, Kenny Martin Jr., or KJ Martin from the Houston Rockets, and Mac McClung, uh, newly signed to the Philadelphia 76ers, formerly of the Delaware Bluecoats. I guess he's technically still there because it's two-way contract, plays with both teams. But anyways, um, yeah. Great contest. I thought it was odd, this narrative that, you know, Shaq and um, Kenny Smith were going with of people don't know who Mac McClung is. In today's day and age of, you know, social media, YouTube, the the modern NBA fan, people know who Mac McClung is. I'd be surprised to find an NBA fan that didn't know Mac McClung. And, you know, as far as proving himself in the NBA, yeah, that's still, you know, something he's working on. He's been more G league than NBA up to this point. He's had a few spot minutes and spot games with teams, but um, people know who he is. I mean, he was, uh, especially in his high school days, you couldn't 
he, he was all over the place. People talk about his college, his high school highlights, his career at Georgetown and Texas Tech. People were following Mac McClung, so they knew who he was. Thought that was odd. And then also kind of appreciated Reggie Miller and uh, Draymond Green, who also, side note, Draymond Green, if he becomes a color commentator after his playing career, I think he'll do great with that. I thought he was awesome during this. But I appreciated Reggie and Draymond giving Kenny Smith crap for his, you know, pre-dunk contest pick and not really going with Mac McClung because he hasn't really been an NBA player. And he Kenny Smith felt it felt like he didn't think he'd ever played in the NBA, which he has, but also um they were like, it doesn't that doesn't matter. It's a dunk contest, you know. It's in some cases being an in-game dunker and being exciting in-game doesn't always translate well to um the dunk contest and so anyways just kind of a side note as far as performances i thought jericho sims was kind of a letdown you know both of his dunks had interesting premises having them both be the elbow in the rim dunk or elbow hanging you know hanging from the elbow i thought having both dunks do that was not a great move and especially for neither of them to really be all that smooth. I mean, the first one, it was supposed to be both elbows in the rim. He gets in, he gets the right in, right one in just fine. The left one, he kind of like tucks it back in right after he dunks it to see if, you know, maybe they won't notice. Maybe it'll look like I got both. Um, and then the second one, it, I thought he was going to do the, the elbow in and because he attached a little envelope to the net. I thought he was going to reach in, pull it out, but then he just held on with the right arm and then grabbed the envelope with the other hand. I it just felt kind of like, you know, it, it, as he did it, he realized it was going to be harder than he thought, if that makes sense. And then he unfolds the envelope and it's a paper that says 50 on it. It was, it was tough. Well, and it's, it's a tough road for a guy like him who's, you know, 6'10 and above, 6'9 and above. I mean, he's what, 6'11? He's got a tremendous leap. He's impressive as an athlete, undoubtedly, but in the dunk contest, tall guys don't always translate well. I mean, Sean Kemp did well. Josh Smith did well as taller guys. But, I mean, it just sometimes it looks, quote-unquote, too easy because their their head is, you know, they're already much that much closer to the rim than, like, your guards and even your forwards. And so that was kind of what hurt him, along with the weak choices of dunks, I thought. Um, outside of Sims, who had a disappointing performance, I thought all three did pretty well. You know, Kenny Martin Jr., he missed a couple of times because the guy throwing the lob wasn't throwing it on, on the mark. If you if you got the right throw on the, the first time, I think he would have made it the first time for all of his dunks. And that was true of all three of those guys. I mean, they, they, they know that that's the the first ingredient to a a good dunk contest is making the first attempt or every once in a while, a second attempt, as soon as you have multiple attempts, it just kills it. So they did a great job getting their first dunk, you know, attempts, but yeah, Kenya Martin jr. He just missed having that correct throw and that kind of deflated it a bit, but all three of those guys had really good dunks. (laughs) Excuse me. All three of those guys had, one or two really good dunks, but of course, Mac McClung ran away with the show. It was him and Trey Murphy, the third in the final. I think Trey Murphy was pretty close with McClung. His last dunk choice was 
a solid dunk, but it was definitely a step down technicality wise, impressiveness wise from what he did before that. And it almost felt like, okay, I'm just going to let McClung take this. And it was kind of odd that, that that was his last choice of dunk. But yeah, Mac McClung, all four of his dunks were great. Um, definitely showed out. I liked what he said at the end where they're like, Oh, will you be back? And he's like, Oh, definitely. If they'll, if they'll be back. So that kind of builds some hype for next year's dunk contest. So that should be good. But um, interestingly enough, first dunk contest winner in Philadelphia 76ers history. Some people might be surprised by that thinking, what about Dr. J? But uh, Dr. J won his ABA dunk contest with the New York Nets. So, so yeah, first six to win the dunk contest. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, overall, the Saturday night was was pretty decent, especially the dunk contest. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, finally, it was probably taking a little bit longer than either of us, me as the host or you as the audience intent or expected. But let's let's jump to Sunday, the last day of the All Star Weekend action. Uh, it started with the NBA Legends brunch. Uh, this is again something they do every weekend, <clears throat> and they just kind of they pay tribute to to legends. That have passed. They talk about, uh, you know, legacies, kind of stuff like that. So, Bill Russell was a big part of it, as you'd expect, with him having passed away before the season began. The NBA's retirement of his number, uh, the league-wide honoring of him with the jersey patches and the the court markings and things like that. So, you'd expect him to have a big, uh, you know, place in this. Uh, the in memoriam stuff. They of course honored a lot of players and coaches and uh, NBA. Fam- members of the NBA family that had passed away, but then the biggest uh, um, <clears throat> biggest tribute went to Bill Russell. Uh, they had, you know, comments from Julia Serving, uh, Grant Hill, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They all talked about Bill Russell's legacy and impact. Um, <clears throat> they also had, uh, of course, Stockton and Malone. Uh, they were recipients of the hometown hero and Legend of the Year awards. Uh, let's see. No, Stockton was the hometown hero winner, and Malone was the Legend of the Year uh, award winner. Uh, so, congratulations to both those guys. Um, let's see. Yeah, those are kind of the main things. And then it also gives fans a chance to interact a little bit with legends. Um, There's another award, the Bob Lanier Community Impact Award. Uh, and that was given to. Uh, Pau Gasol, who also won the, um, uh, what was it? It was a WNBA advocacy type award, like promoting and being a, an ambassador for the WNBA. Uh, so you had kind of an eventful weekend. Um, yeah, so just some awards, recognizing legends, honoring them, things like that. Certainly a noteworthy uh, event. And then we had the first annual i think it was the first g league next up game so this is kind of like the you know you have your your all-star game a tier below that is your rising stars game now a tier below that is a g league next up game and it, i it looks like it maybe takes a place or uh kind of is in addition to the g league's all-star game maybe they don't do that anymore i'm not sure exactly the specifics but uh g league next up game the captains were scoot henderson and luca garza and they drafted their teams um i think i mentioned this already so i'm not going to go through all the team's rosters uh, but they played the game they you know 
had their usual, um, I'm sure it was uh, a noteworthy, uh, you know, game. Um, trying to find results for this here, but for some reason I'm not seeing that. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, normal, you know, G League showcase kind of stuff, what you'd expect. Um, and then Luca Garza won the MVP for that one, so congratulations to him. And then finally, we had the actual All Star game itself, which was preceded by the All Star draft. Um, let me see if I can find a summary for that. Um, and I'll while I'm finding this, I have to be totally honest and level with you here. I personally did not have a chance to watch the All Star game in full. In fact, I haven't had the chance to watch the the highlights yet. Uh, I've just been a little bit preoccupied with uh, some personal planning. And of course I was sick for a stretch. You remember me mentioning that in the past. Um, so I didn't have a chance to watch the, uh, the full, the full game I was wanting to. And then I think that was still when I was like feeling really sick. And so I just, uh, I kind of slept through it. Uh, so yeah, I I do I did see there was some weird, uncomfortable moments with it being a live draft. Uh, here's how the the draft went. So the first pick um, <clears throat> was Damian Lillard. Uh, yes, he was the first pick, and then it was Anthony Edwards, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown. Oh, I remember why. Because it was the reserves picked first, and then they picked the starters. Um, and I did see that. Um, I think Giannis tried to draft John Morant earlier than he was able to, because thinking that he was still a reserve, but he had technically been elevated to a starter. Uh, so that was one interesting moment. But then the other one was. Um, they had two picks left. Jokic and Markinen were still on the board. Apparently, Nikola Jokic didn't see, quote-unquote, didn't see Larry Markinen and stepped forward thinking that he was automatically the last pick and sort of drafted himself to Team LeBron, leaving Lowry to be drafted last to the to Team Giannis, which, you know, I, I imagine that that is the case, that he actually just didn't see him. And in that case, you know, just kind of a funny moment. But it also fits this – well, but it makes sense, though. I mean, of the eight starters, not counting the captains, Larry Markinen is the eighth best player, so it makes sense in that case. But it feels like the last few years with All-Star, there's been some – you know, even when the Jazz make it, there's some kind of, you know – there's a comment from LeBron about people not liking the Jazz or liking Utah or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to go on a whole tangent. So that's just, you know, a general kind of – talk of, of the draft process itself. If you're curious about the full teams, uh, you can look that up as well because, you know, it's not worth diving into every single player. Giannis, it's worth noting he did technically start. He played 20 seconds, uh, made a basket, and and then committed a foul so that he could then sit out, not risk injury with his wrist, and then had, you know, the other guys play the rest of the game. Um, <clears throat> big performances. Donovan Mitchell had 40 points and 10 assists. Uh, he was really shooting lights out. I guess, you know, being back in Utah, he felt like he had a kind of a surge and a reason to play that way. Lillard had a good game too, 26 points. 
uh, eight of 20 from three. Jeez. Um, for team LeBron, 32 points each for Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving also had 15 assists, so he was definitely a little more playmaker on that night. Uh, Jalen Brown with 35 points, 14 rebounds off the bench. Um, but it was his teammate, Jason Tatum, that stole the show with 55 points, an all-star game record, 10 rebounds and six assists. To And he also made 10 of 18 three-point attempts to give Team Giannis the victory and to secure himself the all-star game, Kobe Bryant all-star game MVP award. So that's kind of where the the wrap-up of all-star weekend ends. Um, thinking about it, I apologize if my little look-it-up-yourself comments sounds dismissive. I just mean to say that this recap has gone perhaps a touch longer than I had anticipated or hoped. So uh, apologies to the listening audience if that sounded a bit snidey. That was not the intention. But there's a lot of stuff with All-Star Weekend. Uh, you know, they, they've added to this. You know, I think probably five or six years ago, we wouldn't, we'd have maybe half the stuff to talk about Um and it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. It's just in this format, there's a lot to recap. And so maybe this is a, a going forward for the podcast. Maybe next All-Star Weekend, we should restructure this a little bit. Figure out a, a better way to recap All-Star Weekend. But um, overall, it was an exciting weekend. I thought there was some some great stuff, especially that dunk contest. I thought it was really good. Um, I did hear complaints about the All-Star game having a lack of effort. Uh you know, the game had been doing a lot better the last few years because of the implementation of the Elam ending. Um, so I, maybe it's just, be, you know, that time where that that new uh, gimmick or that new uh, wrinkle to the game has been worn out and now it's back to what it was in the past. Um, the lack of defense in general, <clears throat> you know, you don't want to risk injury in a, a meaningless game, quote-unquote meaningless, which it, for all intents and purposes is. But anyways, that's a whole other conversation, a whole rabbit hole. That's been probably the big talking point the whole weekend. <clears throat> so we're not going to add to that. We're not going to pile on and, and continue that conversation. We'll just say, you know, hats off, exciting weekend, always a fun moment in the NBA calendar. But now, of course, as we've said, it's time to get shifted back towards the regular season and that final push, that stretch run, quote unquote, towards the playoffs. Uh, and we'll start that. We're going to start with our key news uh, as we're getting off of our All-Star Weekend conversation. Uh, firstly, this is a big one, kind of a surprising one to me. Uh, the Hawks, they have uh, dismissed, to put it kindly, more accurately, they fired coach Nate McMillan, you know, and I get the team was underperforming a little bit. The expectation, maybe part of it is John Collins and his slumping play, his kind of receding play. He hasn't played as well as he has in years past. Um, but Joe Prunty will become the interim head coach. The last time he was a head coach was with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. I want to say that was an interim position as well, or he might've been, you know, one year full-time, in between Jason Kidd and uh, Mike Budenholzer. But Joe Prunty will be the interim head coach, uh, so he'll coach for the time being. But the search for a new head coach is uh, now beginning in earnest. 
And reportedly, Quinn Snyder, formerly the coach for the Utah Jazz, was among the possible candidates for replacement. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, n- news kind of in the reverse as far as coaching goes. Uh, for the Nets, Coach Jacques Vaughn has agreed to a contract extension. So he was kind of an interim position for them as well. And he's been locked in as the full-time head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. So congratulations to Jacques Vaughn for that. Um we mentioned the Giannis injury. Uh, he has a ligament sprain in his right wrist, so we now have official wording on the injury itself. There's no timetable for the return uh, at this point. Ligament sprain, I'm not any kind of medical expert uh, or trainer or anything, so my opinion holds no weight. If my, you know, my layman's guess, I would think within a month, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully we have an actual official wording so I can report that to you. Um, Official news on Lonzo Ball for the Chicago Bulls. Of course, he hasn't played yet this season. Most reports have said he wouldn't play the season. Uh, There was some optimism at times, but the Bulls have kind of uh, squelched that. They've locked it in saying, yes, Lonzo, we're ruling him out for the remainder of the season. We want him to get healthy, and we're going to look to next year for his return. So kind of a sad news there. But again, Chicago is preparing for that. Um, we have some news in a little bit uh, that maybe will help um, ease the pain of that a little bit. Um, firstly, though, it's worth noting um, we we lost another member of the NBA family. Uh, Red McCombs passed away uh, on this past Sunday. He was a twice the owner of the San Antonio Spurs. He also owned the Denver Nuggets, largely responsible for bringing the Spurs to San Antonio. Uh, before that, there were the Dallas Chaparrales and the Texas Chaparrales at different points in their ABA days, uh, brought, brought them to San Antonio and then helped. Uh, he was an owner for a long period of their history. Again, also was an owner of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, so definitely uh, he, he was a big contributor to the NBA as a whole, especially with the Spurs. So wanted to recognize him. Um, then we have our big kind of transactional section player signings and the like. Firstly, for Chicago, they've signed Patrick Beverly. We kind of wondered what would happen with him after he was traded from the Lakers and released by the Magic. Well, he's now signing with Chicago for the regular se- rest of the regular season. He'll be, you know, a fill-in spot, <clears throat> maybe even starting, um, I would imagine starting alongside uh, Levine and, and DeRozan. Uh, so he's, you know, normal contract. And then they've signed Terry Taylor, formerly with the Pacers. He's a two-way contract. Uh, to to uh, give space for those guys. They're waiving Tony Bradley, who's a normal contract, and Malcolm Hill, who is a two-way contract. So uh, those are the Bulls' moves. The Wizards have bought out Will Barton, interestingly enough. He was a trade acquisition this very offseason. So I guess Will Barton will now be on the buyout market for a team looking to strengthen their roster going into the playoffs. Uh, the Jazz, they've made a couple of roster moves. They've signed Chris Dunn and... Frank Jackson to 10-day contracts. Uh, Dunn, of course, or not too long ago, was a lottery pick of the Timberwolves, uh, was part of the Jimmy Butler trade. He was a decent starting point guard with the, the Bulls, I thought, more of a defensive guy. Uh, so he's getting a chance with Utah. And Frank Jackson, who's actually played at Lone Peak, a Utah high school, um, he's bounced around a little bit. He's getting a chance to be a reserve guard for the Jazz as well. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, the Magic made a few moves as well. Admiral Schofield has been converted from a two-way contract to a regular contract. 
And they've waived guard RJ Hampton, who is on a regular contract. Kind of interesting there. Uh, the Bucks. this was a big one you probably noticed. Uh, Myers Leonard has been signed to a 10-day contract. Of course, he has not played in the NBA since he uh, uttered a anti-Semitic slur. I think it was anti-Semitic. A slur of some variety on uh, on Twitch. And uh, has just, been, you know, was released. Hasn't found, you know, a roster willing to give him a chance until now. So he's with Milwaukee on a 10-day uh, so he's back in the league, for at least for the short term. Uh, maybe long term, we'll have to see what happens. And then the Clippers, they've signed guard uh, oh, Keaton Wallace. Is that the name? Yes, Keaton Wallace. Uh, and they signed him to a two-way and then waived uh, Nate Darling, who was on their two, another two-way contract. So those are the transactional moves from uh, the last few days. Uh, we could also add the Russell Westbrook signing. That's been official. He's now signed with the, the LA Clippers, um, but that's kind of already been announced. So we, I guess we don't need to do that. Um, next, we'll give you a short version of our game previews. We'll just preview a couple games for tomorrow's action uh, since we didn't do that earlier in the week. Uh, tomorrow, Friday, we have eight games. Uh, two games are an ESPN doubleheader. Firstly, at 7.30, the Miami Heat are in Milwaukee against the Bucks, And then at 10 o'clock, the Oklahoma City Thunder in Phoenix against the Suns. Uh, both those games should be pretty interesting. The Suns are on the they're, – they're now being watched out for as far as when will Kevin Durant make his return from injury and his Suns debut. So that's worth noting. But outside of that, Thunder are, you know, exceeding expectations. Can they, you know, further make that push for that play-in spot? Uh, against a good Phoenix Suns team looking to get much better with the addition of Kevin Durant. Uh, and then the first game, Heat-Bucks. Um, could see the debut of Kevin Love for the Miami Heat, uh, debuts of Jay Crowder for the Bucks. You have both teams that have kind of retooled their rosters uh, and teams that are looking to be top teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, finally, if I had to give you one more game, I'd give you a league pass at 10.30. Sacramento Kings in L.A. against the Clippers. Um Again, maybe you see a Westbrook debut for the Clippers. Not sure if that's too soon as far as an official signing. Um, but I'd like to see the, this Kings team in particular. I'm interested to see how they come uh, out of the gates post-All-Star break. And if they're able to sustain what they've been able to do up to this point in the season and further lock themselves into that playoff position. So that's what I'm watching for with that one. All three of those should be good games. Uh, there's five other games that might also be uh, interesting on that uh, slate for you as well. But otherwise that's our game previews and that with our news and our all-star recap, that's everything I had kind of planned for us for this show. Um, again, I apologize if at times I have seemed a little bit dismissive. Um, you know, I'm 96% recovered from that sickness. I had that cold. I still have a little bit of it with a cough and also first show in you know a few days and only the second show we've done over the last week you know week or week or so so it's um i'm getting back into the swing of it you know i'm not trying to excuse it just give you some some explanations for it but um let's go ahead and finish things off with our this day in history fact for you this day in history february 23rd we're going back to 1986 uh, so February 23rd, 1986, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the Los Angeles Lakers, 
replaced Elvin Hayes as the NBA's all-time leader in games played when he appeared in his 1,304th game, which was a 117-111 to 111 overtime win in Philadelphia. Abdul-Jabbar went on to play in 1,560 games and is now currently second all-time to Robert Parrish, who played in 1,611 games. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of – a few guys actually mentioned as far as stalwarts of the game, long-time players – um, especially Robert Parrish. Well, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, top as far as production combined with longevity. But Robert Parrish played from the 70s into the mid-90s. Um, actually, late 90s, I want to say. Yeah, because he was with the Bulls in their second 3 beat era. Um, let me double-check this. Yeah. Excuse me. His last season was with Chicago in '97, and his first season with was with the Warriors in '77. If he had just been drafted in '79, he could have been the first one to do what Vince Carter did, and that's play in four different decades. Uh, but yeah, definitely a long time stalwart of the game and a legend in his own right, a member of the 75th anniversary team, multi-time champion with the Celtics, and uh, and you you know his legacy. He's one of the greats. Um, but with that, that takes care of everything for our show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, just a closing remark, this is also our first show that we're doing while um, – oh, I'm losing my words here – this is our first show that's being broadcast to not only Apple Podcasts, which is where we've been uh, broadcasting and posting the show up to this point, but we've also we're also adding uh, Spotify and uh, Google Podcasts. So that's exciting. We're increasing our footprint. Um, thanks to everyone listening who's you know helping uh, make this possible. If you want to support the show, you know, share it to your friends, uh, spread the word. It really helps us out. Uh, if you want to keep up to date on the podcast. Uh, and support us. You can also do that through our Instagram account. That's crossover across time, all one word uh, on Instagram. We share stuff from the show specifically. We also share NBA general type content. So uh, definitely check it out with that. Uh, I'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back with you uh, for our first kind of normal wrap up show, wrapping up uh, the Thursday action and getting ready for the weekend. And so uh, we'll see, you. we'll, we'll, we'll be with you then. Thanks for listening.